Welcome aboard. It's time for another episode of Sales Pipeline. So grab your board. We're going to swim out into the sea of activity and see if we can't find us a, a nice, sweet pipeline starting to curl up over the horizon with the one man who can spot them all, Matt Hines. What show is this, Paul? What show is this? <laughs> well, it's, it begins with an S. That's what I remember. And it begins with an oh S because it stands can... for sports. And I know that you, of everybody else, you know, most of us are kind of depressed. The Masters is over. Hockey's had their uh, championships, the Stanley Cups, the NBA Finals are over. It's kind of a doldrum for many people, but only Matt Hines knows that the really the biggest is yet to come. And, of course, that is the World Wife Caring Championship coming up in Finland in a couple weeks here on July 5th. The World Wife Caring Championship yet to be held. Don't give up. What I love is that you clearly done your homework knowing that we, that this, you know, look, most of the major sports are now in their off season. I will tell you, though, like, so as a lifelong Cubs fan, usually by this time of the season, the Cubs are way out of it and it's just watching for fun and beer. Right. The Cubs are now contenders every year, so there's meaningful baseball on every day. But I will also tell you, Paul, in addition to the wife carrying championship, which I'm looking forward Huge. to. I, I know I got, you're going to carry your bride over the championship this year. Just to... I got I got some money on a couple underdogs. That'll be fun. But I will also <laughs> tell you, we're doing this show live from Reno, Nevada. Mm. Yesterday and today, I drove from Seattle down to Reno. Long story short, got some family business to take care of down here. So myself, my truck, and my dog, we drove down. <laughs> and you know, even though it is the end of June. I am fired up for college football season. We're really? still like 90 days away from wow. kickoff. And let me tell you why. Why? Basically, driving down, so I listen to a podcast. If, if any of you listening to this like college football, I highly <laughs> recommend a podcast called The Solid Verbal. Don't mm. ask why it's called that. It's another long story. But they do two episodes a week during the season. They'll do like a recap of the games, and then later in the week, they'll do a preview of the upcoming week. During the off season, they do once a week shows, but I kind of fall behind because like I'm just like, well, it's, just, it's not really that. I got other stuff going on. 12-hour drive from Seattle to Reno over a couple of days. I got caught up on an awful lot of episodes You're of ready. Solid Verbal. I'm fired up. You're fired up. I'm pretty fired up. I'm what? ready to go. I'm also fired up. Here's my here's my weatherman segue. I'm also fired up for today's Sales Pipeline Radio. Thanks, everyone, for joining us today. Really appreciate those of you joining us live on the Funnel Media Radio Network. We are here every Thursday live at 1130 Pacific, 230 Eastern. So thank you for joining us. In the middle of your workday, for those of you listening on the podcast, thanks so much for joining. Our numbers continue to grow. It's pretty exciting to uh, see the, uh, the, the the hardware pay off, Paul. You know, we've been doing this almost four years now. It's, uh, it's pretty exciting and humbling to see what's going on in every episode. If you've missed past episodes of Sales Pipeline Radio, you can always cast past, present, and future episodes of the program at salespipelineradio.com. We are featuring every week some of the best and brightest minds in sales and marketing, and today is absolutely no different. Very excited to have with us today Kevin Cunningham. He is the CEO uh, of a very exciting predictive analytics company. Kevin, thank you very much for joining us. Hey, Matt. Great to be here. Appreciate it. So I'm looking at the the description of your business, and I think that we get when you get into predictive analytics and sort of uh, sort of identifying target customers, it gets pretty wonky pretty quickly. So talk a little bit about what you guys do in in sort of plain everyday lunch pail sales and marketing language, if you would. Absolutely. So we, well, before you get into the, the everyday language, I mean, MRP Prolytics is an enterprise class uh, predictive account-based marketing platform. So ultimately what that means is we're leveraging predictive analytics and AI to help our clients you know, better understand their target market, prioritize the accounts uh, that are looking to buy uh, solutions similar to theirs. 
and then help them execute the tactics that are going to turn those accounts into pipeline and revenue. And I think we've heard, you know, I think I've seen you guys, you know, in this space for a number of years. I feel like you're at every conference I attend. You guys have clearly positioned yourself as a leader in this space. And I feel like we've been talking about AI in B2B for quite a while. Like a lot of emerging industries, I think the technology sometimes outpaces what people understand it can do. But if you think about like identifying customers that are like your existing customers, if you think about taking your ideal customer profile, going out into the wild and using a ton of data to identify customers that are more likely to respond to your sales calls, more likely to respond to your marketing because they have a need you can fill. That I think is the promise that we're seeing AI fulfill more and more so today. Did I did I get that right? How would you characterize that? Absolutely, and I think it's a it's a great application in the ABM space. And when you think about account based marketing, it's really just good B two B marketing. Um, but you know, in the early days of ABM, it was really about leveraging those personalized messages uh, to the top um, you know, handful of accounts, say twenty five or one hundred accounts, that you can deliver something personalized to and have it being meaningful and effective and convert. And I think what AI and predictive has allowed us to do is scale ABM to the entire target market. So instead of just your top 25 accounts, you know, it can be the top 10,000 because ultimately, you're, you know, with, with AI, you're understanding, you know, what are those prospects? What are they consuming? What are they interested in? Where are they in the process? And then be able to customize the messaging uh, through those ABM tactics. They're going to really drive uh, conversion. Well, I think there's, you know, if, if we get down to what predictive is doing in B2B sales and marketing, it, it isn't introducing a new, it isn't solving a new problem. The idea of finding prospects that are ideal for your solution has been around for a long time. I think the challenge has been we are either imprecise in how we try to identify those prospects or we're using data that doesn't give us a complete picture. And so I think the value of using artificial intelligence in my mind to look at a lot more data than is, that has been available to companies before to make more accurate decisions. I mean, not only are you more precise in how you're identifying prospects, but I think there usually is also a greater efficiency and velocity in the sales and marketing process because you have a better match as well, is there not? 100%. So you're able to shorten the whole process of getting getting a prospect in the pipeline um, by using you know predictive in the right way. And you're exactly right in terms of the you know the data that's out there. And I think there's a lot of confusion around that where you know there's there's intent data sources and a lot of you know there's some talk of you know intent is really better than predictive. And really you know it's it's an ingredient in the predictive process, right? It's one of those data sources that's going to help you drive and understand you know where a customer is in the buyer journey. But there's also you know, other ways to uncover that as well, you know, whether, you know, the visits to your website, what you already know about them in your CRM and marketing automation systems, and just the responses you're getting from the marketing tactics that you're leveraging. Talking today on Sales Pipeline Radio with Kevin Cunningham. He's the CEO of MRP. And Kevin, you guys have been doing this for a while. I think the platform has really sort of been built from the ground up and has existed well before, I think, people in marketing and B2B really thought of AI as something that is that I think what has become kind of table stakes as part of the MarTech stack. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, what it takes to create a category when you've got something that, that you that you know has a future, that you know has a place in most, if not all, B2B marketing technology stacks, but is just not yet understood very well. What does it take to build that category like that? Well I think a lot of it is this time and results, right? So we we've been in business for seventeen years and in that time, you know, seventeen years ago you know, AI and, and predictive wasn't really talked about a lot in B2B marketing. 
but we've always been a data-driven uh, marketing organization. We've always looked at you know, trying to provide results to our customers, but also learn uh, from those results and where we didn't have success to make the next program better. So we've been evolving this and iterating over the past 17 years. And instead of just you know, making improvements quarter over quarter as we launch new programs with our clients, we're able to do that dynamically in real time through our platform. So just being able to scale that and, and, and leverage this information that we've built over the last 17 years and get it down to that real-time engagement um, where we find an opportunity, we find somebody who's in market, we can react a lot quicker than some of our competitors. So give me an example of what that looks like, because I think there's those that understand immediately when you describe what you have, the application of it, and there's those that maybe aren't thinking about the problem in the way that you are. So if I've got, if you've got a prospect, and I know the market has clearly opened up over just over the last sort of 12, 18 months uh, for predictive and AI in B2B marketing tech stacks. But if you've got a prospect that doesn't see it immediately, what are some of the ways that you can kind of challenge or loosen the status quo? And I'm thinking about, you know, so using that as sort of the language from the serious decisions buying journey framework, but what are the insights or the reframes of a problem that you can share with a prospect that sort of is about their situation and about their objectives, they can really open their eyes to the impact that AI and predictive can have. When we show them the analytics that come from our platform, um, I think it really drives it home. So there's two main things. One, we're able to show them their target market in terms of the serious decisions demand waterfall. So we can show them you know, who's active, uh, who's engaged, all the way down to pro- you know, prioritize and qualified demands, and that's customizable based on their specific needs. The other area is really looking at, um, over time, where their prospects are engaging with their content, uh, both the content that's coming from their marketing efforts or just c- uh, consumption that's going on on the Internet and other sources. So being able to show how these things interact with each other when you uh, see that consumption and place a display ad, how does that uh, increase engagement? How does an email increase engagement? And all the way through to an inside sales touch, trying to get all those tactics together and show how that increases pipeline. And you mentioned that this has particular applicability with uh, account-based marketing efforts, which I would expect that it would. Talk a little bit about where that, what that looks like and maybe give us, you don't have to name names, but give some examples of how some of your customers have benefited from AI on the ABM front. For us, you know, predictive and ABM have always gone hand in hand. So ABM is all about targeting you know, the best prospects in your market with the right message at the right time, really personalizing what you're delivering to that prospect uh, in the way that they engage. Predictive is just a great way to automate that process, to dynamically prioritize your target market, you know, dynamically personalize the messaging that you're leveraging with those prospects to something that they're going to react to, what they're specifically in market for. And, you know, we've always since we launched Prolytics five years ago, we've always talked about leveraging uh, that predictive platform in conjunction with account-based marketing. And we've seen this, we've seen great results with a lot of our clients, you know, some of the biggest names in technology like Dell, uh, SAP, IBM, and HP. I think the benefit there is, is even bigger because I think when you think about ABM account-based marketing, we're typically we're identifying accounts that are most important to us that we think we have the best likelihood to sell to. And our limit on who's involved in that program may be tied to the economics of what it takes to bring them on board, right? It's not just a, how much does marketing cost, it's what does the what is the acquisition worth, 
And part of the function of that equation is looking at what conversion rate do I think I'm going to get on people I'm talking to to get engaged in a conversation? What conversion rate do I think I'm going to get people willing to talk to those that are truly qualified? What I'm seeing, and I'm curious to get your perspective on this as well, what I'm seeing is that predictive analytics is improving the effectiveness of targetability. So those conversion rates end up getting better. So when your conversion rates get better, your acquisition costs get lower and therefore you can apply predictive analytics, you can apply ABM to quote unquote smaller organizations, sort of smaller enterprise mid-market and improve acquisition rates and velocity there. Have you seen customers doing that as well? 100%. And, and what we, that's, our main thing is helping our customers improve that conversion rate, improve that conversion rate to pipeline. But in addition to that conversion, trying to increase uh, the pipeline per account. So not only converting more prospects, but converting them for a higher dollar value. You know, trying to really understand the whole scope of what they're in market for and making sure that when we do engage, we're cross-selling as much as we can to capture as much uh, share of wallet as possible. Love it. Well, we're going to have to take a quick break here, pay some bills. We'll be back with more from Kevin Cunningham. He's the chief executive officer, CEO of MRP. We're going to be talking more about predictive analytics, the overall space, not only what it's like to create a, create a category, but then when other people decide that's a category worth playing as well, you know, how do you differentiate in a crowded market and much more. We'll be right back on Sales Pipeline Radio. How are successful B2B practitioners using ABM to drive more reliable revenue for their business? How are these modern marketers adopting new tactics, overcoming obstacles, and achieving their goals? Read the new research report from Flip My Funnel and Heinz Marketing on the 2018 State of Account-Based Marketing and discover what's changed, what stayed the same, and where ABM is heading in the future. Visit HeinzMarketing.com's resource section. That's H-E-I-N-Z marketing.com and the resource tab for your free copy today. All right, let's pick it back up with uh, Matt and his guests, the only two people who can predict your next customer. Speaking of predicting, Paul, earlier I have to apologize to our audience because I was completely faking my familiarity with the wife carrying competition. <laughs> can you just real quick, like, where is this? Is this is this like an Olympic level sport or where did you find this? They're going to have teams send on Finland. The object is to carry your wife over a series of obstacle courses and see who can do it the fastest. And it's actually a huge sport in Finland. It's been going on forever and been a follower and fan for many years. Just the idea of carrying my wife anywhere just seems appealing to me here. I'm not going to I'm not going to touch that follow up question. We will put it in the show notes if you can if they are broadcasting this if there are any YouTube live streams if there are even recap videos. I want to know more about wife carrying as a sport. Go to uh, rad we'll to- radseason.com. R A D season.com and you can read all about the upcoming World Wife Carrying Championship in 2019 in London. Speaking of upcoming, Paul, uh, we have some great guests in the next couple weeks on Sales Pipeline Radio. Next week, the last week of June 2019, we have Lindsay Peterson. She is a B2B brand uh, strategist, one of the smartest I know. You name a company that's big in B2B, and she's advising them on their brand strategy. She has a brand new book out, and we'll be talking about that next week. Speaking of new books, we also have coming up Mike Weinberg, one of my favorite people in B2B sales. He's an author, he's a speaker, he's a coach. He just published his third book called Sales Truth. He is one of the plainest, most direct speakers 
in the sales space that I know. Excited to have him coming up and much more. We will be dark doing a uh, a rerun on July 4th, which is here in a couple weeks. Hopefully you're out shooting off bottle rockets or something. But a few more minutes here on today's episode with Kevin Cunningham. He's the CEO of MRP. They are one of the leading predictive analytics and AI solutions in the B2B sales and marketing space. And what comes with leadership, Kevin, of course, is competition. You know, I think competition is a good thing. I think I've always felt like if someone says we don't have any competition, you don't really have a market. So if you attract heavy competition, that means you're onto something and you've got first mover advantage. What does it mean to have first mover advantage? Because I think you guys have been doing this longer than almost anyone else. But this is now a crowded space where there are a lot of companies doing very different things. And it's easy for buyers to group everybody into just like a literally a two letter category. How do you continue to differentiate and lead? I think you know, we've been really fortunate to have some large enterprise customers that, that serve as the base of a lot of what we do. Um, so we're able to really, you know, uh, I guess, innovate with those clients and make sure that what we're doing is cutting edge. And if it's successful for them, you know, we're able to leverage that success uh, with other companies, in, in, even other in, industries, but then down into the mid-market. But I think having you know, those large global uh, players and be able to prove out um, you know, what we can do, have the performance where we're showing the ROI, um, that we're showing the scale, um, and, you know, it, it gives us repeat business with those large customers and helps us, like I said, grow into the mid-market too, Matt. Yeah, enormous validation, obviously, having some of those big guys that, that believe in you and continue to work with you. You know, how do you, in, in a category that some people say, like, AI means a lot of things to a lot of people, you know, what are some of the tactics that you've used to really sort of define your place in the market? I mean, there's, I think there's a lot, and I think this, the answer to this would be interesting to a lot of people that themselves in the MarTech space are involved in subcategories, looking at traditional tools like, you know, PR and analysts, uh, but also looking at other means of, you know, creating not just awareness, but also real clarity and definition. What's worked for you guys? What are things you might be able to share with others? Well, I think, you know, for us, it's really being able to apply uh, what we're selling, you know, to ourselves. So MRP leverages uh, for its own internal marketing everything that we sell as part of our customer one initiative. Uh, but I think where we're different with predictive and AI is our application uh, of our models through the tactics that we execute for our clients as well. So that's really where we see the proof. We're able to prove it out in, you know, the display programs that we deliver, uh, the content syndication, the inside sales uh, qualification that we do, we're able to show, hey, you know, when you leverage MRP Prolytics as part of your inside sales, we're able to show, uh, show lift. We're able to show that higher conversion rate and then also the higher uh, pipeline amount per opportunity. And I think by having that real-time loop of showing where it worked and where it didn't work, it helps make our model smarter. And I think that's a real differentiator, being able to marry uh, both uh, the predictive engine with the ABM execution uh, that we do for our clients. What surprised you about growing and running this business? I mean, I think, you know, you've got a long history in your career of being a successful consultant with a number of different organizations. And, you know, you've now, you know, been, uh, you know, running MRP or been at MRP now for 17 plus years. What's something that surprised you about that journey uh, that you think might be, you know, advice or caution or inspiration for others doing the same thing? I think it's just it's amazing how much the business has evolved uh, in those 17 years. You know, from day one, Matt, we were always focused on, you know, driving opportunities that convert in the pipeline for our clients. But the way that we do that now is a lot different um, than it was 17 years ago. I mean, the tools and the technology that are available um, have just changed so much. And the ability to leverage uh, 
multiple tactics and, and leverage a huge mix to show uh, show that conversion and attribution. It's just it's incredible. So I think the main thing is just really you know paying attention to your clients, paying attention to what they need and how their needs are changing. And I think if we if we you know keep evolving with those changing needs, we'll continue to grow and in, into the next 17 years of, of business. And you're not just leading sort of a successful growing organization. You've invested in the community as well and become a part of the community. You know, as a as a as a long term member of the the Chamber of Commerce in Philadelphia, as a board of t- trustees for multiple organizations. Why is that important to you? Why is it important to sort of diversify where you spend your time and and, and to give back in some of those areas? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just it's important to really uh, you know be part of the community, right? So we're you know our office is based in downtown Philadelphia, our, our headquarters. Um, there's a lot of things, a lot of great things happening in the city, uh, but there's a lot of challenges as well. And it's great to be able to volunteer uh, to help uh, with some of those challenges and just imp- improve the community that we're that we're all a part of. No, that's great. We just got a couple more minutes here to wrap up with Kevin Cunningham. I appreciate him joining us today, the CEO of MRP, doing some amazing things in the predictive and AI space. Uh, where, where do you see this going? I think, you know, I've, I've talked to a number of vendors and people both that are customers of AI solutions and vendors, and some have expressed frustration in the slow adoption from beyond early adopters of this market. I don't think it'd be, I mean, this is one of those, quite frankly, it's kind of like, you know, ABM. I think the ABM technology space has seen a little bit of a slow, maybe a bit of a sort of trough of disillusionment. Uh, but the, the frothiness from customers, the need for the solution um, has, shows no sign of slowing down. Is it blocking and tackling and doing more of the right things in the organization? Is it is it a continued evolution of the product? How do you continue to lead and innovate from this point moving forward? So for us, it's all about, you know, it is some of that, those boring blocking and tackling, right? Like, you know, some of it is data management, you know, making sure that you have uh, the right structure in place that you can ingest, you know, all these different sources of intelligence uh, from a variety of places on making sure that if, if Coca-Cola is your prospect, you have one uh, version of the truth for Coca-Cola in your database. And, you know, from there, making sure that your models are really able to ingest all this information and score and, and leverage it effectively. And then from an execution standpoint, making sure that you're leveraging the right tactics, they're going to they're drive conversion, and, and just making sure the whole thing is a closed loop, that it's constantly getting better and working in real time. You know, we got to engage with our customers at the speed in which they're buying and you know if you're not doing it in real time you know you could be missing out last question for you before i think we have to wrap up here you know as you think it through your career and sort of your growth as a professional who are some of the people that have been most influential for you they could be you know professors authors speakers past managers or mentors who are some people that you know you might want to recognize and even point other people to to check out to be to learn from and be inspired from as well yeah, I mean, for for me, you know, there's obviously a lot of you know, I've had some um, some great mentors in my family. You know, my brother, my my dad, um, you know, uncles. I would say professionally, you know, I started my career at Price Waterhouse. Good friend of mine, Len Combs, who's now on the board there. He's come a long way in his career. He really trained me how to how to work hard and be a professional and and stick through things and get through get beyond uh, some of the challenges you have um, in your career and to always work a little bit outside your comfort zone, right? Not to get too complacent because uh, you start getting complacent that's when things get stale and you and, and you stagnate well i feel like we could spend a whole nother 30 minutes talking about getting outside your comfort zone that is a good <laughs> one but uh we unfortunately need to, to wrap up here kevin thank you so much for your time and insights it's a pleasure and uh where can people learn more about uh, mrp if they want to learn more about what you guys are doing mrpfd.com 
All right, mrpfd.com. We'll put that in the notes for the podcast as well. And thanks so much for joining us. And before we wrap up, Paul, a reminder, in addition to diverse sporting interest in the summer, Boy, I, you know, living in the Northwest, this is an amazing time of the year. The sun comes up before five. It gets dark after 10. It's really easy just to stay heads down on the laptop and just continue to work. But, uh, you know, we live in a great time in a beautiful country in a great place. And I think, you know, put your head up, get outside, enjoy what's around you. This is an amazing time to do it. All right, buddy, I'm off my soapbox now. <laughs> but, um, thanks very much, everyone, for joining us for another episode. Join us next week for what I expect to be a really, really insightful conversation about B2B branding with Lindsay Peterson. For my great producer, Paul, this is Matt Hines. Thanks for joining us on another week of Sales Pipeline Radio.